So I'm sitting here again with Josh Axelrad, the Axe Man, uh, and that's Axelrad. It's not Axel Tubular or Axel Gnarly. It is my favorite '80s phrase, which is "rad," radical, short for radical. Um, and t- to be honest, you're nothing short of a radical, especially when it comes to the gaming industry. And you really, one of the best parts of your book, Repeat Until Rich, a Card Counters, cr- Card Counter Chronicles, uh, The Blackjack Wars. Did I get that right? Uh, yeah, Repeat Until Rich, a Card Counters Chronicle, a Professional Card Counters Chronicle of the Blackjack Wars. Right. I just actually just like testing myself to see if I can pull off the top of my head. Uh, did pr- did pretty well. So some of the cool aspects, obviously, we covered a lot of it in the episode. But what I really wanted to get into uh, was something you call heat. Now I'm a pro wrestling fan. That's a phrase in the pro wrestling world. Heat means how much uh, the audience doesn't like you, and they even use it to they extend it to backstage. Uh, if you have heat with someone, it means they really don't like you backstage. Uh, but fake heat outside is when the audience doesn't like you. You use it in a similar way, which is essentially when the casino staff doesn't like you. And this can cause problems, mostly financial. But you got into some harrowing situations. Uh, so let's talk about let's talk about some. I want to get a couple, and hopefully, you maybe um, there's a couple that you didn't share in the book. I don't know if there's any that you didn't share, but maybe we'll get a, an exclusive <laughs> for the podcast if possible. Uh, it can be any rating. But one of my favorites is where we talked about your appearance, you know, with all the dreadlocks and everything. And you had a you got a little bit of heat. You started getting 86, which means kicked out of casinos. You started having to wear disguises to be able to to do your business. Uh after a session, um a couple of guys busted you outside of a McDonald's. Uh walk me through that one. <laughs> uh, wow. That is an at this point it's a very it, it's an old but treasured memory for a lot of reasons Um, (laughs) partly because the action centers on two casinos, both of which have been blown up. Oh really? I didn't know that reaching into the past here. So you blew it up and then it really blew up. They were like, we did you financially cause them to have to crumble or was this unrelated? um, Unfortunately I have only once and then arguably at best even remotely participated in the financial ruin of a gaming enterprise <laughs> a casino. I should specify of a casino. Right, you right. say gaming enterprise, it sounds like I Your somebody team. invested <laughs> in my play and got shafted. But that, <laughs> yeah. that didn't yeah. generally happen. But um, the session that you're referring to was one of these sessions. We sent out all types of sessions. There were like high-quality sessions that we believed would be successful. Like if the team was just arriving into Las Vegas for the weekend or, or what have you, there would be a star BP. That's the big player for the weekend ready to go. He's practiced. He's been tested. Maybe he's already done some inaugural plays. So he's gotten some of the, you know, some of the wrinkles out of his bearing in the casino, the act that he puts on and the trip will be typically organized around a person like that. Oh, that's kind of that's cool. That's I mean, like a superstar. Sure, and you and you go through the city in an orderly fashion. You organize your sessions deliberately with heat in mind. And so, if uh, the, at the time we were playing, let's say a premier casino, to get action down in, perhaps was Bellagio. I mean, that's there were times when that was true. There were many other times when it wasn't. Bellagio got reasonably sharp reasonably early on, but. Um, let's say that we were sending a play into the Bellagio and that was like a central play of the weekend. We wouldn't send in plays with BPs who were less, uh, 
valuable. Like, let's say there's some BPs that had a little bit of heat. Their name had been circulated a little bit. I'm going about this in a very long-winded way. But my point is there were high-quality, premier, grade-A sessions that we had high hopes for, which means you know we thought they might get down for a good bit of time at a premier gaming property with very nice blackjack rules, plays that would go down for a very high hourly rate for a lot of hours. And then there were lesser quality plays. And one thing we tried to avoid doing was running the lesser quality plays early in a trip because the lesser mm-hmm. quality plays were lesser quality because they often involved a, a lesser likelihood of success, a greater likelihood of people getting thrown out. And whenever people get thrown out, there's the possibility, and depending on which casino you venture into, there can be the likelihood that that casino will communicate with other casinos and the town in general will be alerted to the presence of these specific individuals in their city at this time and be looking out for you very aggressively. And And so via fax machine you're talking about, this is the days of fax. So they would be alerted to your presence via fax machine. In the age when I was act, most active, that's that that was the case, yeah. Or, or teletype so, or telegraph or whatever it was, carrier <laughs> pigeon, whatever. <laughs> right, smoke signals. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was mainly facts back then. But uh, we sent out a, a, a low quality play, and it must have been late in a trip. And it was a play at the Riviera, which is definitely a low quality play to run Collins. The Riviera does not any longer exist; um, it's not there. But we did some play there on the grave shift. And from the visual memory that I have of the people that were there, I don't think any of us was like a reasonable BP. There was no clean person who could do that role. So I think the BP was just somebody who was hot. And we went in there to try to get off a few call-ins, which means, you know, bringing the BP into the middle of a hot shoe uh, with, you know, good favorable count in it. And we did that a number of times. We played a few hours. And what I remember is that we got... um, we were beginning to get blown out. They maybe hadn't identified all the counters who were in the session, but the BP was clearly done. And we separately cashed out our chips and went outside and we walked across the strip where there was McDonald's. And I was at that time, it was the era of, you know, my early dreadlocks, um, which looked ridiculous. And I had for disguise purposes, a wig on top of the dreadlocks, which I'm sure also looked ridiculous, <laughs> but at least it made me look different. Sure, and definitely. Our end of session meeting place was this McDonald's. So in in a staggered fashion, we all went over there and we apparently didn't give a lot of thought to the fact that it wasn't a great end of session meeting place. It was directly across the street from the casino we just played at in plain view of that casino. And rather than meeting inside the McDonald's, which might've made some strategic sense, Perhaps just because we were exhausted, we started congregating on this McDonald's had a little open space in front of it facing the strip. I don't know right now if it still exists in that location or not. It was there and it it had that characteristic. And so we gathered in front of this place, quite in view of the casino we just played. This is basically like, like mooning the entire casino saying like, don't tread on me kind of a thing. Just waving your butts in the air. A little bit. It's it's definitely no more sophisticated than that. It's like half your your getaway meeting location across the street from the bank you just robbed outside. It's not, it wasn't, you know, this is the sort of attention and planning that goes into these low tier plates. Nobody really cares that much what happened in the place of Riviera. Nobody cared that much what happened to me as a player at that point. I had some heat. That's why I was in that session to begin with. So um, it was all a little bit sloppy. We meet at the McDonald's and the whole group gets together, including the BP. 
And so now if they're if they're looking through binoculars or something, they're going to see us all together and all of their remaining questions about whether these mm. guys who pretended not to know each other in the casino during the session actually were a group. All those questions will be answered. We're hanging out there. I've taken my wig off. I'm just holding it in my hands. And while this is happening, we notice two suits, like pit people or whatever, casino employees from <laughs> not the casino we've just played, not the Riviera, but another casino, which has also been shut down, um, Stardust, um, which I think is now the location of the Trump, whatever they call the Trump facility there in Las Vegas, which is huh. not um, but uh, we see these two people walking over towards the McDonald's and I remember noticing it like the guys we were all talking and I noticed them walking over and I remember wondering like oh no is this some is this heat like it's bad to see casino suits coming towards you right outside and of the casino <laughs> anywhere at all it sort right. of triggers something but outside of the casino it seemed anomalous and then I thought you know you're being ridiculous you're very tired sun was coming up they're they're on the grave shift they need coffee they're coming to get coffee and they kept approaching the mcdonald's and i figured they're going to get coffee and at the last minute it became clear that they were not going into the fast food restaurant they were coming right towards us and when they arrived they started saying things like i remember one of them was making fun of me like said something like what we have here a cross dresser something like this referring to the wig in my hand sure. and they were just laughing and it was obvious that they had been sent there on reconnaissance maybe a phone call went from the riviera to the stardust and huh. said hey these clowns are all hanging out could you just get a good visual of them and give us a description so we know exactly who was part of the group that just hit us up for whatever small amount we were able to generate and value in there and um anyway that's the that's the stardust people coming over to call me a cross dresser at the mcdonald's Wow. It was really lucky and fun as, as he went, the form of heat. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's pretty, I mean, it seems pretty bold. It's also funny that the, the place you just, um, you know, took out, like they called, you're across from them, right? And it's like, I mean, it'd be like the bank calling the CVS next door and saying, hey, can you go bust those guys who just robbed the bank, right? I mean, it's like, like they sent the next casino over to come check you out when they could have easily done it, right? I think that their trade – it's an example. It's a rare example of the casino's trade craft being vastly superior to the card counter's trade craft. <laughs> and we seen them coming from the Riviera. We would have been like, oh, wow, let's separate and get out of here. Oh, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but they, they planted just enough doubt in our dazed uh, heads of these sleepy card counters who'd been up all night right. um, to allow them to, to get via proxy the – close look they wanted to get so how often i mean you know no offense here i don't know what your fashion sense was um, <laughs> i mean if they call they're calling you a cross-dresser i'm imagining you either didn't pull off a woman very well or your wig was very ridiculous or this was just a cheap insult to you but i'm wondering like because disguises were so important uh did you have someone on on staff who was able to do those types of things did you ever do like prosth uh prosthetics you know any um you know, like fake nose, you know, the, the, the mustache and eyeglasses. Did you ever do anything like that? Or was it just wigs and how well were they put on? We did things like that eventually. I mean, the wigs, I, the wig I was holding at that time was a woman's wig. Women's wigs were, were useful because they were longer. They would cover more of your face. Um, <laughs> so I was just using a woman's wig that I bought for like some ridiculously low amount of money, um, in, uh, in Vegas. But we, at certain points had, uh, a professional makeup artist participate on some trips. Oh, wow. And the, the problem with that was that it was very time consuming 
and not quite as effective as we might have hoped. Um, the sort of disguise that was that was most useful often was just something completely ridiculous. And I'll give you a favorite example of that was the uh, the disguise that led to the creation of the character known as Goldie Baller. Goldie Baller is not a real name, as you might have guessed. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> but Goldie Baller was the assumed name of one of my teammates who had one of the best acts in terms of his ability to just really get any casino personnel to believe that he was a sucker when he wasn't. This same person, by the way, is the only person I've ever seen talk himself out of a back off when they were throwing a bunch of us out of a casino. This, wow. this person, he's so smooth. He convinced people at Caesar's Palace who were 86ing him that they've just flat out had the wrong guy when obviously they totally did not. So the same individual purchased for like 50 cents or a quarter from one of those little gimmick machines at a grocery store, uh-huh. a set of fake plastic teeth that went into his mouth. <laughs> those Billy that, Bob teeth or whatever. <laughs> these ones like had like, gold, I don't know what the term is, like a grill. It was like a simulated grill. Yeah, it was like simulated grill. gold teeth. And <laughs> they didn't, obviously they, they looked totally stupid and ridiculous. Well, even but, professionally done, they looked totally stupid and ridiculous. Right. But, yeah. Right. And so this, this is this absurd thing and using that look and giving the name Goldie Baller, he succeeded in winning. This is not a joke. But it blows my mind now because, and it's going to be hard to translate for the audience in general because right. the, the gradations, the differences among casinos are hard to articulate to a sort of non-professional audience. The Luxor was a casino that was essentially worthless to us. They never let plays go down. They threw people out all the time. If you won $20,000 at the Luxor, that was an unbelievable score. It was a very big hit. Goldie Baller, over a series of sessions, each of them lasting many hours, won over $100,000 at the Luxor, taking call-ins and only giving the name Goldie Baller. (laughs) They let that name play. And when he went to cash out at the end of it all, he had to give up his ID and, you know, he hands over his driver's license, which obviously does not say Goldie Baller. And right. they, they, they call over to the pit to confirm all these chips. And there's some confusion because nobody knows that name. And then he says with a smile, just tell him it's Goldie. And, uh, and, and that works. So, you wow. know, often with the point of a disguise is just to keep you from being recognized as you, but it can also inspire some character that throws them. And that's where it becomes that's where it opens up entire new worlds of possibility. That's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, it, it's definitely a step above your wig. I mean, no disrespect by that, but uh, but it sounds like he really owned that look. I mean, it's also you know it also depends on what else he's got going on. You know, I mean, if it's just him wearing a suit and that, I mean, I imagine he really got into it. Did he have like like the polyester leisure suit, like the, how I would have gone, or did he yeah, go like hip hop? That's or? exactly. That's ex- it was it was a the it was a fusion of the hip hop and the leisure suit and it was entirely amazing and credible and he just he owned he owned the Luxor for uh, a precious a precious period. Now, do you have any pictures of this stuff? You with the dreadlocks? I think they were called baby pigtails by some of the casinos. Um, or do you have pictures of Goldie Ball? You can X out faces if they still have heat or whatever. But I'd love to see uh, what you guys did. Well, if you if you, I mean, I can't give you. I can't give you pictures of uh, of other people without talking to them, but sure. um, I, I have some I have some pictures of myself 
in a couple of disguises. If you look at my, on my Twitter, you've been as my only Twitter follower. Right. You have this opportunity. <laughs> rare, <laughs> rare opportunity. <laughs> the big, whatever the, the large image, the larger prof, profile image, not the profile photo, but the other images of Twitter. Um, right now, it has a few different shots that were uh, that were provided by. I should say an ally on the other side of the table. Those were actually surveillance shots from casinos. Um, and they showed oh. me in a, in a few different um, get-ups. I could get those to you if you're, if you're interested. Oh, I'm definitely interested. I definitely want to put some of those out. I think people will, will be excited about those. Uh, so le- now let's, before we run out of time here, is there any great story that you have that didn't make the book uh, that involves heat or disguises or circumventing the authorities um, or anything like that? Uh, is there anything, any good stuff, man? Well, you know, I mean, amazing things have happened here and there, and uh, it, it can be, in a way, it can be hard to pick just one. But, um, uh, you know, one, one of my favorite sessions was an end-of-trip session. It was our last play of a, what had been a very difficult trip. We were all flyered everywhere in this region. We were in the south, and we'd been flyered in Louisiana, we'd been flyered in southern Mississippi, and we drove to the the uh, hinterlands of Philadelphia, Mississippi, where there's a tribal casino and proceeded to run Collins at this tribal casino, which is a small by our standards. It had like $500 maxes and we couldn't figure out who, who should bet because we were all hot and we were going out, leaving our hotel without any plan at all. And I, I just said, fuck it. And I, I grabbed and stole. I don't know if they ever bet for this. This is the sort of hotel where they might not keep the most exacting of their towels i I just out with the towel and took it and put it on my head and i said this is it this is my act that's my disguise let's roll i I put a towel on my head and we drove on out to what i think was the silver moon in philadelphia mississippi or meridian mississippi this location and walked in you know fairly late on a random night and i started collins and although the trip still ended up a loser, the trip had been a grueling and difficult trip. We managed to win as a group $30,000 at this little $500 max casino in just a few short hours. It was a wonderful session and um, it gave me a lot of joy. I had no act. I had no particular story. I was a manic dude with a towel on my head. That was my disguise and my character all rolled into one. Only the axe man could take a common everyday towel and turn it into a convincing ruse. The master of disguise, Josh Axelrad. Thanks for being on the show, and I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night.